this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Hey, Kimberly. We're so glad you're here. And you know, you and I have been talking for the last few weeks on this broadcast about a woman whose life we're celebrating just now because she was born 125 years ago. That's right. This spring. And her name? Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom. And with a name like Ten Boom, where could she be born but? The Netherlands. The Netherlands. <laughs> she was a Dutch gal. And she lived a very ordered life. Picture postcard perfect uh, for many, many years. You know, geraniums in the window box, uh, <laughs> little shutters, windmills, wooden shoes, tulips. I mean, all the stuff that you'd imagine in Holland. Her dad, whose name was Casper Tenboom, had a watch shop and would repair watches and clocks and so on. Mm-hmm. Her mother died earlier on, but she and her sister Betsy lived on as adult women with their dad in this family home mm-hmm. until the war came, World War II. Right. The Nazis invaded. Uh, They occupied Holland for many, many years from early on in the war, from 1940 until its close in 1945. And during those years, the Ten Booms would make some decisions that would change their lives forever. This Christian family decided that they would hide Jews and Dutch resistance fighters um, in a little hovel inside their house to protect them from the Nazis. It was called the hiding place. That's right. A little room they constructed. And you know what? No one ever discovered the people they hid there. But they were turned in by a Dutch informant who was working collaboratively with the Nazis. And Caspar Ten Boom and his two daughters would be apprehended by the Nazis. Two of them would die in Nazi custody. One would survive, Corrie Ten Boom. How did she do it? And what did she learn? That's our subject today. Stay with us. And out of the ashes we rise 
Corrie ten Boom, after she's released from the Nazi concentration camp, finds herself what she described as a tramp for the Lord. Kimberly, that word <laughs> tramp sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Yeah, we have to translate that for our modern audience. Right? <laughs> I think so. I think she means kind of like a traveler, traveler for the Lord, or right. a vagabond, mm-hmm. someone who isn't really grounded at an address, but she's always in motion. And she finds in this last chapter of her life, which actually is so remarkable when I think about it, it wasn't until she was about 60 that she really became a phenomenon in the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. A film was made about her book, The Hiding Place, that made her kind of a global celebrity. The film was very successful, as was her book, a bestseller, sold right. many, many copies. But she was, by many people's measure, at the age of retirement, and actually she's just starting right. uh, this life. And as a tramp for a lord, as, as a traveler, as a vagabond, she's in constant motion. She's used to going here. She goes to India. She goes to Africa. She goes to South America. And she doesn't just, you know, stay in hotels in Paris and Buenos Aires. She's in a village in remote <laughs> India. She goes out in the villages of, right. of Africa. Everywhere she goes, she speaks about life, about love, about forgiveness, about how to be gracious, and about the power of Jesus to remake your soul. And isn't it true, Jim, that this kind of these next years of her life kind of flow out of that letter that she writes and then the and the scene that she describes about forgiving those people who were her oppressors, right, right. during the war. That becomes this this story of redemption that really unlocks um, forgiveness for thousands of people who will hear her share across the years and really launches her into this, I don't want to say stardom, but really gives her this platform to preach and teach and uh, speak into the lives of people across the world. I think you're exactly on point because at the root of her story is this supernatural capacity to forgive. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things she does when she's released from a concentration camp, having lost her family and her house and everything, she writes a letter to the man who turned her in, who actually betrayed her Mm. and gave her to the Nazis. It's like Jesus writing a letter to Judas. Right. Who caused the... That's right. And and she says, I forgive you. And I pray that you will allow yourself to be forgiven Mm -hmm. by God too. Mm -hmm. And writes this whole wonderful letter about how he can find peace in life. And later on, as she's traveling about, she speaks often in Germany. And she runs across people who are actually guards at Ravensbrück. They don't recognize her, but she recognizes them. And she forgives them. It's not always easy. She describes the struggle sometimes when you're face-to-face with the person you saw beat your sister to death. Yeah. But she still has the capacity to forgive. And that's what makes her life-giving. That's and right. And that's her message. You can't find life by holding on to a grudge, by being bitter, by cataloging all the things you've lost, mm-hmm. by all the ways in which you have been wronged. You have to acknowledge that you yourself need forgiveness and you must give it to others. And the only way to get there is through Jesus. Mm-hmm. As she travels the world into her 80s, she is a phenom, <laughs> but she finally gets a little house for herself. It's in California. She's become linked up to the Billy Graham crusade. Uh, the Billy Graham mo- motion picture studio called Worldwide Pictures had made this hiding place film. She buys a little house near that studio, and uh, she never becomes an American citizen because she said when she was a young woman as a girl guide, a kind of girl scouting yeah. program, she said, I, I pledged allegiance to the Queen of the Netherlands, and I'll never... I'll never let her down. (laughs) But she's only in this house, really the only house she has owned herself for a year and a half before she has a stroke. And uh, now in her 80s, she has a stroke, and she finds herself in a kind of prison again, a different prison than the Nazis, but a prison nonetheless. Right. 
not able to move about, not able to travel, not able to speak. But still, her spirit and her soul will not be broken. She still has life. When we come back, we want to think about some of the things that those around her, even in those last years, when she lived in the prison of her body, consequent to strokes that robbed her of so much we take for granted, people would reflect upon how she's still blessed and inspired. I want to live like that. Stay with us. Jennifer Wilson, you're the original co-host with me here at Viewpoint, and during all of these years, have you ever been with us to the Holy Lands? I have not. Well, JJ, I want you to come with us next time because we're going to go again in January 2018. Why in January? At the front end of the month, we'll be in Bethlehem for the Orthodox Christmas Eve. And then we're going to walk through the streets of the old city of Jerusalem. We'll be on the Mount of Olives and overlook that city over which Jesus wept. Hmm. We'll go to Galilee and you'll go out on a wooden boat framed like the one Jesus sailed on and you'll see the bowl of mountains upon which the lilies bloom like Solomon's glory. There's so much to experience, so many places to go. The scripture comes alive. JJ, come along with us. And everyone listening, we want you to join us. How do you get there? Check out our website, cbhviewpoint.org. Read all about it. Or give us a call, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, toll free. See you there. Corrie ten Boom passed away on her birthday, April 15th, 1983. She was 91 years old. And upon her passing, there was a great outpouring of uh, love and, of course, celebration of her life, and then some reflection. Many, many people had walked with her closely through her journey in those years, and they began to identify some key things that we all can take away that are grounded in her faith and her character. And so what we want to just share are a little bit these kind of life lessons from Corrie ten Boom that all of us, I think, can be encouraged. Most of us will not experience what she did in what she would describe as the darkest moments of hell here on earth in a Nazi concentration camp. Right. But all of us will be experiencing, if we have not already, some terrible loss, some circumstance beyond our control, some place where we have been wronged unfairly. How do we, like Corey, overcome? That's right. Corey talked about victorious love. I know, I love How that. do we get there? <laughs> so what's one of the first lessons that the people who knew her best identified about her, Kimberly? You know, they talk about her openness to um, both receive and obey the Spirit. This idea that... Um, the Spirit was her guide, led her, instructed her, and in that her life was hidden in this following of the Spirit. She believed in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And she was not a charismatic in the way that some people might define theologically. She's not Pentecostal in the way the word is sometimes used in modern time. Uh, she was raised in the Dutch Reformed Church, which tend to be uh, a little more ordered and you know, kind of traditionally but, right, framed. Yes. <laughs> But she also had this expansive, growing journey with Jesus that brought her to a place where she wanted to be immersed, to be baptized, as it were, by the Holy Spirit. And she believed she experienced that. And so her openness to that whole phenomenon, that I don't just believe in Jesus, 
I know that he's alive. I know that he was crucified and that he rose again, but I also am possessed by his spirit. And I want to obey that prompting of the spirit. Go here. Don't do this. Say this. Love here. Forgive there. These promptings that defy human reason, that was one of the things that the people in Newark understood about her. She was following the voice and the leading of the supernatural God in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, Jim, that's how she had to have read her life. To to have lived what she lived and be able to read that as a victorious life means that she saw and understood through the lens of the Spirit, right? Um, we look at the crucifixion as this horrible thing, but in in reality, it is this transforming thing, right? And so she was able to read what was happening in the world through the lens of the Holy Spirit and respond that way. And it gave her a sense of freedom yeah. and anchoring, which brings me to another thing that everyone recognized about her. We've already referenced it. She carried no bitterness or unforgiveness. That's right. She was completely free of that. And, you know, it wasn't just that she was wrong during the war. All through life, there are people who fail you. You put your trust in someone. You ask them to do something. They promise to do something. They don't follow through. You're left by the curb. I mean, this was her journey, too. But it didn't matter what happened. She was never one to carry past the setting of the sun any bitterness or unforgiveness or grudge against anyone. And the power of that, we we forget so often how we have little things. I, you know, I, just, I can't forget the guy who was in my gym class who stole the ball when I was... Right. You know, or, I mean, things even long ago that, that we think we have moved past, but actually they're buried inside of us. Right. And she was somebody who scrubbed down clean every day. Mm-hmm. Lord, is there someone that I have something against? Help me get rid of that. Do I need mm-hmm. to write a note of forgiveness to someone? What Did I wrong someone? She was constantly clean and clear. And the people that knew her best said this was one of the most remarkable things about her. It didn't matter what happened. She never went to sleep carrying anything against anyone. And folks, that gives life. Right. Go to sleep with a grudge and your life is being drained right out of you. Right. We think, we think it's somehow um, um, punishing the other person. But in truth, it just holds us back, exactly. keeps us down. And then there's this beautiful thing. Um, They talk about her willingness to walk in the light, the way that she talks about um, living in the light, walking in the light, understanding herself as a person of the light. You know, if there's there's ever a good and evil to look at, a light and darkness to look at, you could look at Corey ten Boom in the Nazi regime, right? She knew darkness. But she walked in the light. And actually that phrase comes out of an experience she had. Early on in the 1960s, early 1960s, there was a kind of spiritual revival in Africa, and she was there. She was a part of it. <laughs> and it was grounded in a passage in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. This is what it says. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What she experienced in that verse in those days became a staple in her ongoing conversation then till the day she died. And that was walking in the light meant that I need to be in fellowship with other believers and I need to have clean relationships. It comes comes back to the no grudges. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have forgiveness and especially in the body of Christ. And as I am walking in that light, I make sure that I am clean and clear and free. And the blood of Jesus then works in that circumstance to keep me cleansed from all sin. And that allows me to be kind of like a light bulb. I I have a chance to 
uh, to be in the light always because Jesus is cleansing me. And this whole idea of walking in the light, she just, she wanted to be the person who walked in the room and made it brighter, not dimmer. Hmm. And again, I had to think, I want to live like that. I want to be the person that, that comes into the room and people go, wow, things just kind of got brighter, better, instead yeah. of like, uh-oh, oxygen sucked right <laughs> out of the room when he came in. And, and that she, she had that. And people who knew her, upon reflection, they said, you know, she was like that. She was, she was like a ray of sunshine. She walked in the light, and she knew what that was. She walked in the light, and she did so by design. There's another thing about her that I think we cannot ignore, and that is her complete trust in God. Mm-hmm. And as we talked uh, last week, Kimberly, she just didn't worry much no. because she always felt, and these were her words, that she was in God's, and these are the quote, very safe hands. She mm-hmm. saw herself in the very safe hands of God. Mm-hmm. Nazis show up, okay, the Lord's got me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lose my father and my sister. It's horrific and it's wrong, but you know what? God's got this. I don't know where to go or what to do next. I'm on a muddy road outside a concentration camp, but God's got this. I'm 80 years old, and I'm in a village in India where I've never been before. God's got this. Yeah. That concept that I am never alone. Mm-hmm. She never married. Her family passed away one by one. She had many deep friendships and relationships. But in the end, this was a woman who understood life is found in the companionship of Jesus. I love the story about her neighbor in California asking her, you know, what's your secret, Corey? And that Corey Ten Boom responded, well, you see, one day I just said to the Lord, I'm yours from the tips of my toes to the top of my head. I love that. You know, I, I can recall my mother praying from the tip of my toes to the top of my head, right? This complete, my whole entire body, my whole entire being, my whole entire life belongs to God. And that's how she understood everything that happened to her, everything that she lived through, everything that uh, she had to make decisions about. She belonged to God and God was holding her. And that gave her a kind of victorious life, which was a part of her vocabulary. She talked about living victoriously. That's right. And she wanted to speak to anyone about that victorious life. Sometimes she would find believers who didn't understand victorious living. They were believing in Jesus, but they seemed to be burdened down. She wanted to set them free. She'd find people who didn't care about Jesus or had not been surrendered into his arms. She wanted them to know Jesus and to live victoriously. She wanted to share what she had known. Mm-hmm. which is that life is a gift from God sure. and that every day is a precious gift. Don't take one for granted. And while you have a day, smile and help others smile. Yes, Corey Ten Boom is someone that we can look up to, that we can celebrate. And as you're listening to this today, you might think, well, she sounds like a remarkable person, but that's so far away from where I live. I've got children that are causing me grief. I have a spouse that is a deadbeat. I, I'm not sure about my job. I mean, all of us have problems and challenges. But don't forget, Corey Ten Boom's story that we've been sharing today was born in a world of unspeakable loss and tragedy. And if this can work for her, maybe it can work for us too. And it worked because Jesus was at the center, which brings us back to walking in the light. If I walk in the light, the scripture says, then we have fellowship with each other. We can have relationships and family. Even though we may not be related by blood or marriage, we still have family. And We can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and be cleansed from all sin. We can be free and live without shame and not have guilt and be ourselves forgiven. So much here. 
And you may be thinking today, ah, I don't know, I, I don't know that I can get there. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Right now, take a step with us to walk in the light. Pray. Our Father, today we're so thankful for your presence, that you're so close by. You're not far away. You're right next to us. We are thankful for your spirit, Lord, that is moving now in our hearts and in the hearts of our listeners. We're thankful, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who came into this world that we might know you better and be at peace with you and ourselves. We're thankful for the work of Jesus on the cross and for the resurrection of Jesus and for the living spirit of Jesus that right now is tugging at our hearts. Lord, help us to surrender to him. We admit, Lord, that we're not able to navigate life alone successfully. And we admit, Lord, that we have things in our lives for which we need forgiveness, and there's no price we can pay to make it right. We have to trust Jesus to do that. And we admit, Lord, that we want to have what Cory ten Boom had. And sometimes we're afraid just to let go to receive it. Today, Lord, may your Holy Spirit prompt us just to take a deep breath and to trust you completely from the tip of our toes to the top of our head. And may we, like Corey, find life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
having prayed with us, you might think, is that it? Is there more? Hey, give us a call. Talk to us. Our number, toll-free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. Or, if you prefer, you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message, and we'll respond. At the last, send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you use Surface Mail, go online, or call us up on our toll-free phone number, however you choose, let us hear from you this week. Kimberly, thanks for... uh, being with us today as we remember Corey Ten Boom. So glad to be here. Good conversation. And you know what? I see some of those same things in you. Thanks for living that up. Thank you. And thank you for listening to us on Viewpoint today. We hope you'll join us again next week when we, as always, strive to help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.